Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22. And from there, I will go from, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. And then to Romans 6 and 16 through 17. 1 Corinthians 7 and 22 says, For he that is called in the Lord... Being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Romans Chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17, But God be thankful that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I ask you to anoint me right now. Let me feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost to deliver the word that you've given me, Lord. And I ask you right now to move in this place. Let there be a move, a motivation, an inspiration with what I have to preach tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you as you're being seated. I wasn't sure what to title this, and I had a couple of titles in mind, but I chose this title. Give me a servant's attitude. When we look at the definition of a servant, it was one that performs duties about the person or home of a master. This word sometimes denotes a man who voluntarily dedicated himself to the service of another. Servants have an element of freedom in choosing whom they work for and what they do. Servanthood maintains some level of self-governing and personal rights. We, as saints of God, we have the right to choose who we're going to serve. Are you going to serve in the work of God? Or are you going to be a slave to sin and the things of this world? We all grew up in South Louisiana, 
And I don't know if all of you have had the opportunity, but I have in the past. I've been to some of the plantations. Not all of them, but some of the bigger plantations. They would always have, in close proximity of where the master's house was, they would have a servant's quarters. And what that was, was that master, he seen a certain quality in the work that some of his people were doing for him. And he said, I'm going to bring them in closer, and they're going to serve in the master's house. That's what God's done with each one of us. He has hand-chosen us. We were out there as slaves in sin, living for the devil, doing everything we can to make him happy. And God's seen it. And he said, there's a quality in that person right there. I'm going to bring them into the servants' quarters. He brought you to this church. He filled you with the Holy Ghost. He's created in you an attitude, a desire. I'm no longer a slave out there, but I am a servant for the work of God. The servants of God are those who are devoted to his service and will obey his word. Each and every one of our goals should be these very words. Matthew chapter 25, 23. And this is a familiar scripture. Most of us could probably quote it. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. No doubt we all want to be identified as good and faithful servants and hear those words from our Lord and Savior. Notice, Jesus didn't say good and popular servant or good and successful servant. What he said was good and faithful servant. I don't care how popular you are. I don't care how many friends you have on social media. I don't care what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive in. It ain't going to make a difference. What's going to make a difference is how faithful of a servant you were. I would like to talk to us about being a good and faithful servant. To hear those words, the first thing we have to do, we have to belong to the master. We first must be saved. We must be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and belong to the master, Jesus himself. To hear those important words is to be saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God. That grace is being obedient to Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
I think most of us in here, we've been obedient to that. And that right there says that you have an attitude that I want to be a servant in the house of God. You surrendered yourself to the the mercies and the kindness of what God has done in your life. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, all my mind, all my body. I'm giving it all to you. I am going to be a faithful servant. Second, we must be faithful. Faithful is loyal and true. means firm in devotion to something. Faithful is used for someone who has a firm and constant devotion to something to which he or she is united by or as if by a promise or pledge. I think we've all pledged. When we surrendered in these altars right here, say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. We made a pledge. Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. So I know we're being obedient to the word. So that's one of our first steps is being faithful. Being faithful in doing what God commands you to do. And do refraining from doing what he commands you not to do. Our faithfulness depends on even the little things that we do for the kingdom of God. The characteristics of a faithful person, first off, is commitment. A promise to myself to change and challenge myself. Psalms chapter 37, verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. It takes commitment. Once you make that commitment, you're on the first road to being a good and faithful servant. Spiritual commitment reflects a personal depth of faith and is manifest in both attitudes and behaviors. A commitment demands a determined attitude and requires that we must decide to do what we say we will do or is required of us. Our faithfulness is a commitment to adhere to the one God who is true and supreme and keeps his commandments. I use the word attitude right here to reemphasize the title of my message. Give me a servant's attitude. Are you really determined to do this? Are you really committed to do this? Or is it just a one-time thing that you just showed up at church and the Lord blessed you? So, you know, I'm going to come to church on Sunday morning and the rest of the week I'm going to go do what I want to do. Are you committed to being a servant? To be faithful, we must show love. Spiritual love can refer to a love rooted in spiritual connection that helps us find meaning and purpose in our lives. This spiritual love can serve different purposes. Some are meant to walk with us through life. We all have our mates. While others are meant to teach us lessons. We must love the work of God and those who God has put into our lives. We all know that God has put certain people in our lives. They have helped us, directed us, 
Brother T is a good example. I don't know what he was doing as a teenager there in Bunky, but at some point he come in contact with Brother Beard. God put Brother Beard in his life. You see him sitting on that platform right there because he made a commitment and said, I'm going to serve God. Instead of living out there in that world and doing what all his friends were doing and ended up wherever they've ended up, he's sitting here tonight because he was committed and he was faithful. Third thing we must do to be a faithful servant, we must be available. To be faithful, we must have long-suffering. The definition of long-suffering is someone who had to endure something unpleasant for a long period of time, but who has patience throughout. We must show patience despite troubles, especially those caused by other people. We're surrounded with people every day. Sometimes it's not the best people in the world to work with. I don't know what kind of work environment you work in, but a lot of times there's people there that if I had a choice, I promise you I wouldn't choose to go to work with them because of their attitude. We all have those people. But sometimes if we would just back up and think, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Are you trying to teach me some patience? Because, Lord, you know I'm, my patience are running thin with dealing with these people I'm working with. Patience is a quality or virtue of patience is presented as either forbearance or endurance. Sometimes we have to endure things, but it's God working with us and trying to teach us a lesson. In the former sense, it's a quality of self-restraint, of not giving way to anger, even in the face of provocation. It is attributed to both God and man. It's closely related to mercy and compassion. We all got those people that push our buttons. And when they push your buttons, it's how you react, your patience. Say, okay, Lord. To be faithful, we must have that endurance. We must have the ability to persevere in a task or calling. We are called to endure in the face of a trial. Or opposition. His endurance brings spiritual wards. How well did we know? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Endurance means rightly handling God's word. That's very important. That God's word is our wisdom. It's our guide. Sometimes we cross paths with people that seem to be causing us problems. Or we may have a situation, a trial in life that we just don't know which way to turn. There it is. It's right there in the word of God. He's given us a guide. He's given us the direction. It's your GPS if you want to be a good and faithful servant. We must be steadfast. The definition of the word steadfast is to be firm and unwavering. The Bible uses the word steadfast, and it means to be firm and unwavering in your faith. Trusting God with your life and becoming steadfast in the Bible is a blessing. We must be steadfast in our work, in our servanthood for our God. Are you a willing vessel? In order for God to use us wherever he needs us, he needs us to be willing 
and available. And that's all he's looking for. I can assure you, most of us, your appointment book is probably full. Something going on every waking hour of your day, maybe even into the night. Very little time is left to focus on God and his word. But a faithful servant is going to make time to spend quality time with God. And it's more than a two-minute prayer. Oh, good Lord, thank, bless this food, bless this food, in Jesus' name, amen. It's going to take more than that. You're going to have to spend some time and make yourself available. We should say like Isaiah said, here I am, send me, Isaiah 6 and 8, and not go in the opposite direction like Jonah did when God tried to send him to Nineveh. God wants availability more than ability. You may have certain skills and talents that you think should be used in the work of God, but that's not really what God is looking for. He's looking for availability. That's because when you're available, he will equip you along the way. When Jesus called the fishermen, they knew nothing about him or what he expected until they had spent time with him. And I can imagine this. Here's a bunch of old fishermen. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. They didn't have fishing poles and stuff like that. They have cast nets, and they would throw their nets out and catch fish. And Jesus walks up to them and tells them they're going to be disciples for him. They were fishermen. They had no clue what they was going to be doing. I promise you, they had no clue where God was going to send them, where God was going to use them, the persecutions that they was going to have to go through. But you know what? God equipped them. And when God looked down at you in that world of sin, he said, that's the one I want right there they got something that I can use in the work of God and that's why you're here today tonight it's God chose you you made yourself available when you walk through those doors when you walk through that altar you're saying Lord I'm available I'm willing Fourth thing we must do to be a servant, we must be a witness. We have to share this word and allow our lives to be a witness of his goodness and mercies. A witness is someone that has seen something take place and is there to tell of all that they saw and heard and experienced. Likewise, as a Holy Ghost-filled person, we are called to be a witness for Christ who present a testimony about the truth that we have experienced and heard. When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we should share the gospel with others so they will know the saving power of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his risen from the dead. The Bible tells us to make disciples and teach others about God and all those things relating to God. When 
was the last time you shared this truth with someone. Standing as a witness of God involves both who we are and what we do. In order to be a witness of the Savior, we must strive every day to be more like him. This means setting a Christ-like example for others through their clothes we wear, the words we speak, the music we listen to, the service we give, and the friends we make. We should not keep what we know about God to ourselves. We should become good witness before we become good and faithful servants. The fifth thing that we must do to be a faithful service is practice forgiveness. We must learn to forgive others as he has forgiven us. <clears throat> forgiveness, according to the Bible, is correctly understood as God's promise not to count our sins against us. Biblical forgiveness requires repentance on our part and turning away from our old life of sin and put our faith in Jesus. When Peter asked Jesus how many times he should forgive others, Jesus told him to forgive 70 times 7. And I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't mean to literally you give, forgive them 490 times and after that you can stop forgiving them. That's not what Jesus was meaning. Instead, Jesus was indicating that Peter and the rest of us should practice forgiveness and keep on forgiving every day that we live. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, according to Peter, first, chapter 2, verse 23, instead, himself, he judges justly. Jesus himself practiced forgiveness. On the cross, his first statement was, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23 and 34. The sixth thing we must do to be a servant, we must show humility. We must be humble in all things and understand that it is not for our glory and edification, but whatever we do is for him, and he gets the glory. Proverbs 11, verse 2 from the Amplified Bible says it like this. When pride comes boiling up with an arrogant attitude of self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, who have been chiseled by trial and who are learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. I think that word pride is going to keep a lot of people from hearing saying, God saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We all know those people. I've worked with them. They think the world can't turn unless they're there to help it turn. And I promise you, that attitude in the church ain't going to go nowhere. You're going to have to have a humble spirit. Because if you think this church can't go on without you, I'm here to tell you it can, okay? So it's not about the pride. It's not how good you do it. It's not about all the accolades and the pat on the backs. 
It's about your attitude, your spirit of being humble and doing what God has called you to do. Biblically, humility means believing that what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. Sometimes we have a bad day and we start beating ourselves up. We start feeling bad about ourselves. We even go into times of depression. But that's not God's opinion of you. He don't have that opinion of you. He's already chosen you. And you need to lift your head up and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I am going to be a good, faithful servant for you, Lord. No matter what trials, no matter what troubles, no matter what crosses my path today, Lord, I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm not going to beat myself up for any mistakes that I made, Lord, because I know you're going to be right there holding my hand. When I make that mistake, Lord, it's going to be a lesson for me to do better for you, Lord. Why is humility important to God? God wants us to acknowledge that apart from him, we are nothing. He is the one who knows us, the one who created us. He has a plan for each and every one of us. When we begin to put all our faith in God, we umber ourselves to the point of being completely dependent on him. That's what he's looking for. He wants us every day of our lives to be dependent upon him. The human nature says, I can do this. The human nature tells me, I'm going to walk out here and do it on my own. I don't need nobody else to help me. I don't need nobody else to tell me what to do. I can do it. That's not what the word of God says. We, we have to put our trust in him. And that's all he's wanting. Is when we begin to put all our faith in God, we humble ourselves to the point of being completely dependent upon him. Showing humility is the opposite of being filled with pride. A person who does not, a person who does not demonstrate humility is one who takes credit for everything that happens to him instead of giving God all the glory. Unless a person is humble, he will not be called a good and faithful servant. That's because he unsurps all the glory that belongs to God and gives it to himself. Proverbs 22 and 4. The reward of humility, that is having a realistic view of one's importance, and the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. I think I'm going to choose over pride, I want the Lord's riches, his honor, and I know he's going to give me that eternal life that they were singing about. Humility requires God's grace. Given often through rebukes, setbacks, God's words, parents, teachers, until we learn that God is God and we are not and that other people deserve the same love and consideration as we do. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit but in humility. Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When we humble ourselves and think of no job is beneath us, we become more like Christ. 
This mindset allows us to have empathy for others, to see their needs, and to better understand where we can be of a service. When we serve others, we get to put aside our situations and our circumstances and give to those who are in need. And that's what God is looking for. We here as brothers and sisters, and we know pretty much what's going on in each other's lives. And are you there talking behind your brother's back? Are you there holding them up? When we humble ourselves, we serve others. We get to put aside our situations and do what God has called us to do. And that's be a good and faithful servant. Denying our own needs and trusting God to provide so that we can give to others increases our humility and our capacity to grow in him. The seventh thing that we must do to be a faithful servant, we must help others. 1 John 3 and 17 says, But whoever has the world's goods, adequate resources, and sees his brother in need but has no compassion for him, how does the love of God live in him? And what the Lord was trying to say, you're going to have other people in your lives that have bigger needs than what you have. God's going to give you the resources to help those people. And that's exactly what he did to the disciples. When he chose those disciples, he started giving them the resources that they need. They had an income. They had a salary, whatever. How they got paid to sell those fish and stuff. But you don't find... In the scripture, where any of them ever had a job after they was called to be a disciple, God sent them out, and they put their full trust. And I can assure you, no matter where they walked, no matter what town they went to, what country they went to, as a disciple, God provided their needs because they were there to help other people. They was helped there to give the message, to be a witness to what God had done for them. Can you imagine what God could do for you when you step out in that kind of faith? Lord, use me. I'm going to be a witness today. Give me those resources, Lord. And I can assure you, when you start putting your trust in him, God's going to know the situation that that person's in. God's going to give you the scriptures. I'm not good at Brother Francois and remembering scriptures. I, I, I'm just not. That's not my personality. That's not who I am. But I can assure you, when it comes to a time when I start witnessing, I got scriptures that come to my mind just like that. God's going to give you the resources. All you have to do is step out. Every one of us is a disciple, a servant in the work of God. John 3, 13 and 14. If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also to wash one another's feet. 
Blessings aside, we're commanded to serve others. Jesus served, and as follows and disciples Jesus, we must serve also. Our life should reflect the life we have lived and the life he gave us. When, we left the earth, when he left the earth, he commissioned us to draw all men to him. And there's no better way to do that than to practically give what we can to those in need. What do we have to give? This truth. We have to share this truth with them. Why? Why would you sit there and just hold it to yourself and not tell everyone you come in contact what really God has done for you? We should be Christ-like and carry each other's burdens. In this way, we will feel the law of Christ. Galatians 6 and 2, bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Everyone filled with the Holy Ghost has been given spiritual gifts to be used to help others demonstrate being a good and faithful servant. There are so many opportunities in our day-to-day lives to serve when we open our hearts and listen to the Holy Ghost. We are created to walk alongside God and participate with him in his plans. Serving gives us a purpose and a direction and encourages us to branch out and walk our spiritual gifts. To have a servant's heart is to be like Jesus, constantly looking for ways to serve others. Now, this isn't to say that you should pour yourself out haphazardly. Our huge part of serving others is to be in communion with God. That is to be walking with him closely. Allow him to guide you to those who who he has equipped you to help. As a servant of God, he will lead you to those that really need what you have. If you've cultivated a servant's heart, then you will be readily available to go where he says to go and help who he says to help. And I know there's sometimes we come across people and you think, man, they, man that, that part, they'll never come to church. They don't have no desire to live for God. And you're thinking in your mind that but something keeps quickening you. You need to go talk to them. Just recently, Tiger and myself was at a, one of her little school functions. Tiger it was at the end of the final service for the school function. Tiger was up singing. And there was probably 400 plus people, adults and children there. It's one lady out of the whole building. She stood up and lifted her hands. Tiger was singing a, a gospel song. It's one lady. She stood up and started worshiping. As soon as that service was over with, Tiger went up to that lady and started witnessing her. That Lord, when I walked up, that lady was in tears crying. She's never been around a Pentecostal service. And she straight up told us that she was not happy in the church that she was going to. Tiger stood there and witnessed to her for probably a good 30 minutes. She made a commitment that she was going to come to church with Tiger. Tiger reached out to her today. She didn't respond to Tiger. But Tiger planted that seed. And this was a person I never thought. I've been in their home. They've got teenage kids. We get along with them. 
nice, well couple. But I never thought that, because in my mind, they were religious people. They, go to, they were faithful to the church that they were attending. I wouldn't have stepped out. But something prompted Tiger. And she said, I need to go witness to that lady. So, I don't know who tomorrow you're going to come in contact with. But if you feel that urging, yield to the Holy Ghost and start witnessing to that person. Be a servant. Proverbs 19 and 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. We often hear that we should be the hands and feet of Jesus, but what does that really mean? Well, to be the hands of Jesus on this earth, we have to do his will and his work. Nobody else is going to do it. He chose each and every one of us to do it. Knowing that while on earth Jesus served the Father by serving the people gives us a greater understanding of how we should be modeling our own life. Jesus poured out everything he had for the will of God. He connected often to the Father and then proceeded to pour out that provision. If we do the same, we can truly live out the calling to be his hands and feet. We please God when we help others. Hebrews 13 and 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We have to be a servant, but it's all going to be in your attitude. Are you really going to be dedicated to this? Are you really want to serve him? Are you just here for the blessing? Are you just here for a good feeling? Are you coming to church and just saying, I'm being faithful to church? It's all in your attitude. As children of our God, our greatest desire should be to hear God say, well done when our time here on earth is done. Serving others and participating in the will of God to care for those who need help is the greatest way to please God. Serving others as if we are serving God with a cheerful heart brings pride to God. <clears throat> These scriptures about serving others remind us that there is joy in serving others. When we embrace a servant's heart and really seek out opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we impact the world we live in in so many ways. The last thing that we have to do to be a good and faithful servant, we must participate in spiritual disciplines. A good and faithful servant knows he should always participate in spiritual disciplines that include a daily prayer life, studying, not just reading some chapters so you can count them in your Sunday school class, but reading this book and actually studying the Bible, attending church faithfully, not once a week, not once here, every couple of weeks, I'm going to go to church here and there. But you have to be faithful. That is spiritual disciplines. 
For us to have a servant's attitude, we must have a servant's heart. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 from the Amplified Bible. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Every one of us in here has special talents that he has given us. Some of us may have the same talents. Some of us better at something than that. You know what? Brother T is an electrician. I'm scared to death of electricity. When I was young, I was working with my dad. We was building a church. Brother Francois probably can relate to this. We was working building a church. And he had me going around putting sockets, wall sockets in. I got electrocuted one night. It threw me clean across the church. And ever since that day, I look, I tell my wife, you better call an electrician because I ain't going nowhere close to it. That's not one of my talents, okay? So if they got electrical work here in the church, Brother T, we're going to call you. It ain't going to be me. And that's the way God looks at it. He knows what talents you, you have. Are you using those talents? Are you serving him with those talents? And I'm looking across here tonight. You know how much talent is just sitting right here? You know how much work we could be doing for the work of God? If we would all just be united and say, I'm going to have a servant's attitude. I'm going to take what God has given me and I'm going to use that to the work of God. Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, utterances, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength by which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's First Peter. 4, 10, and 11. I know if I want to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, I'm going to have to make a prayer part of my everyday life. I'm going to have to read my Bible and study his word. I'm going to have to be faithful in my church attendance. Every chance I get, I need to give him praise for what he's done for me. I need to take time and meditate in the presence to be able to hear what he has to say to me. I need to be sensitive to his spirit and how he is wanting to use me. Please, Lord, give me a servant's attitude. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing attached to serving others. The benefits of serving include many of the fruits of the Spirit. 
When we help those in need, our capacity for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control begins to grow. Brother Beard just preached, and then last Wednesday night I taught a lesson on the fruits of the Spirit and how we can grow those fruits. And one of that is being a good and faithful servant. <coughs> In closing, and this is where I'm going. I've said what I've had to say tonight. As this church grows with new souls being filled with the Holy Ghost, the church is going to need more willing vessels to become available in the work of God. And I am asking you tonight, God, give me a servant's attitude and use me in the work of this church. Let the Lord use you and direct you. Some areas this church could use faithful servants. And I'm cautious when I say this and I don't want to be offensive. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. But I'm trying to give you some inspiration, some motivation. Every Sunday morning, if you just take one minute, you look around in this service, we have visitors every Sunday. Sister Ann is faithful at that back door back there, at that end of the front door, greeting those people by herself. When I was in church in Oklahoma, I was the head usher. And we had a church where we ran around 200. But I had 50 plus people that was on my usher team. And my wife is here tonight. And this is one thing I told that usher team. I usually had four ushers and two greeters every service. But I told them, there's 50 plus ushers and greeters in this church. When we have any visitor that walks through that door, I don't expect less than 50 people to go up to them and shake their hand and greet them. Welcome them into the house of God. Brother T's good about it on Sunday mornings. How we get out and greet each other. I don't know about you, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm trying to get, inspire you, okay? I look around and see people that I haven't seen here before. That's who I try to go to first. I want them to feel welcome in this place. And in each and every one of us will start doing that when we have visitors here. You greet them. Ask their name. Try to 
get a communications going with him, a conversation, something. Because I can tell you, out of every one of us in here, there's going to be one person that's going to be able to connect with that visitor that's going to make them want to come back to this service. So just because you're not standing in that foyer and being a greeter like Sister Ann, we can all step up and be greeting every one of these visitors that come in this place. And when you greet them, don't look at them just as a visitor. You greet them with the attitude. That's a lost soul that's dying and going to hell. And Lord, use me. Let me be a witness to that soul, Lord. Let me say something to them that's going to make them welcome in your house. Make them welcome in this church. Make them want to come back to this church. It's all in your attitude. How are you going to be a servant? One other area that we, Sunday school teachers, and I haven't really been around. I don't know how many Sunday school classes, Sunday school teachers. But as the church grows, I can tell you, they're going to need more Sunday school teachers. You need to make yourself available. Just Brother Beard and I have been talking. We have a church van that's sitting out there. I've told him, we need to start knocking doors. I drive that van every church service. I drive it for two hours if I have to pick people up for church. You got neighbors that you live next to. They got kids, they children. When's the last time you invited them children to come to church with you, to come to Sunday school? If we're going to have a church of tomorrow, it's going to start in our Sunday schools. It's going to start teaching those kids. God's looking for willing, available Sunday school teachers. Another area that we can serve in this church. Is altar workers. With souls coming to these altars seeking the Holy Ghost, we need good, faithful, praying people. And I know each other, everyone don't have the ability to come up here and pray. And when somebody's seeking the Holy Ghost, they don't need. 15 people hollering in their ear, somebody hollering, turn loose, or somebody else telling them to hang on. But you know how you can become an altar worker? It's come up here and start getting around them and start worshiping and start praising. Just because you're not standing right there with them and trying to pray them through with the Holy Ghost, we start surrounding them as a church, 
and we start creating that incense that's going up of worship and praise, I can tell you the Holy Ghost will begin to move on them. They're going to feel the presence of the Holy Ghost right then and right there. They can start receiving the Holy Ghost. You're saying, I can't get up. I can't stand up. I can't get down on my knees. You can still be an altar worker. Come sit on these front pews right here. And you just start worshiping and start praising. And if the Lord tells you to start shouting, you shout. If he tells you to run, you run. But when you start creating that atmosphere, that's what he's looking for in altar workers. And that's what we need as a church when we all realize that these souls are lost and they're here to be prayed through with the Holy Ghost. Why shouldn't we all be willing and available to be a servant for him and say, Lord, I'm going to create that atmosphere of worship so that they can receive the Holy Ghost. As the church grows, as people get the Holy Ghost, we need Bible study teachers. You say, and I ain't never did that. You know what? You step out in faith, I promise you. Sister Beard tonight just gave us some new material. We're going to start teaching some Bible studies, some discipline, some discipleship classes. Are you going to step up? My prayer tonight is that you're going to make yourself available. You're going to go home tonight with a burden and start praying. Lord's going to put something on your heart. You're going to go to Brother Beard and say, Brother Beard, I'm available. I'm willing. I want to have a servant's attitude and whatever there is that you see that I can do in the work of God, Brother Beard, I'm ready. I'm available. Please begin to use me. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.